0: None dare call it ordinary. The podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host Dylan, and with me is the yodeling Brent and the yelping Forest. Yeah, I meant yelping more as in you like to enter Yelp reviews oh. for restaurants that you don't like, but that you know that kind of yelping is also acceptable. Oh, okay. Um, and it's something I can totally see you I doing.
1: found the None dare Call It Ordinary podcast to be atrocious. Zero stars.
0: I am glad we are not on Yelp because that's all the reviews we would get. <laughs> and so before we dive into today's episode, we do have a few announcements. First of all, we have a new patron. Yes. Marcus Gunn. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much you. for your support. And if you would like to become a patron for only $1 a month, you'll get a shout out. If you visit patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary and for $5 a month, you also get access to our bonus episodes normally once a month, but this month we're doing two. We're actually recording our first bonus episode today. So that'll be coming out in the next few days and it is sure to be a treat. Also, if you want to reach out to us, if you want to see what the podcast is up to, you can always follow us on Twitter at NDCIO. And Instagram at none dare call it ordinary. And lastly, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.
2: All right. So, what is it we're talking about today, Dylan?
0: Well, today it is October, and mm. so because of Halloween season coming upon us, we <laughs> wanted to do something a little spooky. So we already we started this month with the Phantom. Time hypothesis, (laughs) get it? (laughs) And we want to continue in that vein with the spookiest thing there is, demons. (laughs) There is nothing as spooky as demonic possession. And specifically, we're focusing on those brave Christian warriors fighting it. Specifically, we're talking about spiritual warfare, the D&D version of Christianity. (laughs) And we want to cite our main source for this episode in particular, because there's all sorts of books and articles and lectures and so on and so forth about this topic. But we found the perfect introduction in Derek Prince's Spiritual Warfare. It's clearly written. It's at points well argued. (laughs) And what it describes is truly a stunning cosmology that everyone needs to know about. So we're going to start first by breaking down the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. According to Derek Prince, Ephesians chapter 6:10 through 12 provides the basic gist of the spiritual war between God and Satan. Quote: Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms,
2: you know, honestly, this is kind of confusing to me. As a Christian spiritual warriors, um we're we're fighting the powers of this dark world, sure. But why are we fighting against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms? There are demons in heaven. what? What's happening here?
0: Well, I think Derek Prince, I, you're very astute, thank you. I can already tell that you're <laughs> going to be an astute spiritual warrior because Derek Prince dedicates an entire chapter of yes. this book to answering that exact question. Awesome. And for the record, we want to also, because that was the NIV translation of Ephesians 6, and so we want to give the King James Version as well. The true version. Because one, I mean, that's that's the correct version. <laughs> and two, this is the version that comes up a lot if you start investigating spiritual warfare, and that is this quote, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. A lot of spiritual warriors put a lot of emphasis on this principalities and powers business. That's the their kind of catchphrase of who they're fighting against.
1: And hey, check it out again. High places, so heaven, and think about a new song. Ooh, hell is a place in heaven?
0: Okay. <laughs> oh. But which okay. heaven is going to be the question Ooh. we're going to have what? to deal with. Oh, there are multiple
1: heavens now. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Oh, 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 you bet your ass there is. <laughs> so, you thought two translations was needed, but we're going to give you a third because Derek Prince was so dedicated to his cause, he went back to the original Greek Jeez. to bring out some special features of this <laughs> satanic war and offer his very own translation of (laughs) Ephesians 6.12. Quote, For our wrestling match is not against flesh and blood, not against persons with bodies, but against rulers with various areas and descending orders of authority, against the world dominators of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. Now, why did he feel the need to provide this translation? Well, he explains it here. Quote, I say rulers with various areas and descending orders of authority because that pictures a very highly structured and well-organized kingdom with descending orders of authority and different rulers and sub-rulers responsible for different areas of their territory. I use the word dominators in The World Dominators of This Present Darkness. Because the term dominate so vividly describes the way Satan treats the human race.
1: Oh, I was expecting to say the reason I chose wording things this way was because I'm an expert in translating Greek to English and having a, um, an authoritative translation.
0: He is an expert in spiritual war, and that is what's giving <laughs> him the expertise he needs to truly reveal the word of God. Oh, okay. Besides all that, what's really important here is that spiritual war. It's not a guerrilla war. It's not like we've got these different groups of demons running around who have all their different affiliations. This is all highly organized and bureaucratic, which you would recognize (laughs) if you listen to our Book of Revelation series. There is a lot of bureaucracy in the war between Satan and God.
2: Oh, yeah, totally. If I recall correctly, the second beast was the store manager, I think. And then the first beast was the district manager. And the dragon, I think, that would make him be the CEO then. That's how that ended up.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, there's all these translations, but Prince lets us know that whichever Bible you use, quote, Christians are engaged in a titanic conflict, which staggers the mind to consider.
1: My mind is already very staggered at this point. (laughs) Yeah, there's
0: going to, you're going to be staggered. I guarantee you're going to be staggered. Even Jesus himself gets into the spiritual warfare game, as witnessed in Matthew 12, 22 through 28, starting with a Jesus burn by the Pharisees. Quote: All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So what does this prove? Well, first, this proves that Satan has a kingdom. I mean, he's a prince after, all right. And second, that the Pharisees are a bunch of jerks. I mean, Jesus just healed a dude who was blind and mute. Do you gotta do you <laughs> gotta burn him right then and there? I'm actually
2: just more shocked that they use the word fellow in the Bible, if
1: that's a question.
0: Yes, oh he, <laughs> this fellow, yes, he is a demon possessed. <laughs> I think there's what a fellow.
1: There's another way to interpret this part, and I think it may be that the Pharisees are just concerned about demon on demon crime. Yes. I yes, think yes. That's, oh yes. Yeah.
0: That's true. Yeah, we're too focused on the uh, on the angel on demon crime that right. we ignore all the demon on demon crime in our inner cities. I believe look. you're right about that. Prince also mentions that Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. And so this is even further evidence that Satan is the head of state of a highly organized empire. After all, quote, demons are compared to the whole insect domain. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, this makes sense. Sulfur-smelling, fly-infested you know, President Obama always got his commandments from the Lord of the Flies from is Israel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the uh, the whole healing business because Jesus claps back at the nice. Pharisees, quote, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand.
2: Ooh, Jesus, the original President Lincoln.
0: (laughs) Exactly. He traveled in time to get that great line from him.
1: Lincoln ripped Jesus off. Let's be accurate.
0: Come on. Uh, Yeah, all right. That's true. Continuing the quote, if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? Yeah,
2: this makes no damn sense. You know, it'd be like after casting the demons out in the exorcist, the priest reveals he's actually a demon too. Oh, that's <laughs> just simply unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it's no one can it. believe that. And given that Satan is still a pain in the ass in this time period, they have his kingdom has not crumbled. Jesus is offering a sort of reductio ad absurdum here. The conclusion of which is that not only that Jesus ain't satanic, but that Satan has his very own kingdom. Thankfully, though, the kingdom of Satan is not the only kingdom in town, quote, and if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Nice. The last piece of evidence that Prince presents is Colossians 1, 12 through 14, quote, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So in conclusion, we have two warring kingdoms, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of
2: God. And this would have made a really kick-ass video game, which actually there was one, wasn't there? I think it was like 1992,
0: came out in Nintendo. Yes, spiritual, I think it's spiritual warfare, I think is what it's called, uh, Super Nintendo. (laughs) Yeah, that should definitely, that might have to be some kind of incentive where we uh, Twitch stream playing Spiritual Warfare, because I think everyone would enjoy that.
1: If the angry video game nerd is listening, make sure you cover that one.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now we So we know there's the two kingdoms, but now we need to cover something that Brent brought up earlier. Where is the headquarters for Satan's kingdom? And here is something disturbing that the listeners might have missed that Brent was very smart to point out. Because when you imagine where Satan lives, I bet you're thinking hell. yeah, yeah. But as Brent already pointed out in Ephesians 6:12, it says this dark world is in the heavenly realms. And what that means is that Satan's headquarters, are in the heavenly realm. Oh my God! He, he
2: wasn't a fallen angel. He was promoted. He was well. He was fallen. Well, I I don't want to spoil why he's fallen.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Let's okay, let's okay. hold <laughs> on. Giant. again. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right. And before we get to that, we want we want more proof because that seems ridiculous. It just can't be the case that Satan is living in heaven. <laughs> Eric Prince has the proof we need in Job two one through two quote. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. So what does this mean? This means that not only did Satan have access to the presence of the Lord and thus heaven, but the angels were too dumb to notice they were hanging around the Lord of Flies. I mean, how sad is that? Yeah, I'm
2: honestly not sure on how developed angels' brains are, really. I definitely need to spend time researching this because I don't know how smart
0: they really are. This is what happens when your brain is made (laughs) purely of the spirit. You got to have the meaty brain to get the hard thinking done. And for the record, we also see the same thing in Revelation twelve ten quote. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Again, the accuser of our brothers is Satan, Mm. and he did this he did this accusing before God. Mm. So after God cast Satan into hell. Satan still has access to the presence of God. What gives here? <laughs> Prince thinks the answer is simple. There are multiple Oop, heavens. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know you probably think that's impossible. Well, why don't you just go and read literally the first sentence in the Bible? Quote, Ooh. in the beginning, God created the Heavens. Oh. and the earth it's plural you dummies
2: well you know what there's also more than one god too because in Genesis 1.26 <laughs> it says quote and God said let us make man in our oh. image after our likeness and let them have dominion over it blah blah blah, blah.
1: No, Brent, remember so that's just evidence of, that it's the ancient aliens that are actually god that's always <laughs> that's been true. used oh. as evidence for that uh-huh. Zachariah Stitchin told me that
0: heavens, multiple gods the download process happening is just incredible, but we've got to move on. Let's We'll deal with multiple gods some other time. Let's get back to these yeah. multiple heavens. Because not only is there more than one heaven, there is a structure to the heavens. As explained in 2 Chronicles 2.6, But who is able to build a temple for him, the Lord, since the heavens, even the highest heavens, mm. cannot contain him. Thus, even heaven has its own heaven, <laughs> the highest heavens.
2: It's heavens all the way up, guys. No, there's the highest one.
0: Yeah, that's the true. It's oh, not. True. It stops somewhere up there. But so how many are there? That's what we want to know. So there's multiple heavens. Some are better than others. What else can we learn? Well, Paul himself in 2 Corinthians twelve two through 4 talks about a third heaven. And this gets Prince reflecting on his former career. Quote, before he became a preacher, I was a logician. And sometimes I cannot get away from logic. <laughs> logic convinces me that if there is a third heaven, there must be a first and second. So there are at least three heavens. That is logical. I mean, yeah, this is a nice logical deduction. But Prince, he does make a bit of a logical error when he's interpreting Ephesians 4.10, mm. which is, quote, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now... Prince takes this verse to also entail there are at least three heavens, with this reasoning, quote, Notice that phrase, all the heavens. The word all can only be correctly used of at least three. When I was teaching English to African students in Kenya, a student once said to me, All my parents have come to see me. I said, You can't say all my parents, because no one has more than two parents. If you only have two, you can't say all. The same applies to the phrase, all the heavens. There must be at least three. So remember that if you say you're going to buy all the apples in the store and there are only two left, you are a liar.
2: (laughs) Also, also don't use the phrase I'm all in because you are just one person, not three. You're no goddamn Holy Trinity. Come on.
0: That's a good point. There's a lot. There's a lot of problems with that (laughs) phrase. But Prince is also reasonable here. You know. He's saying there's at least three heavens, but he admits that some people get a little taken away with the multiple heavens business. For example, (laughs) he doesn't think that you should take the phrase seventh heaven too literally. But I love that
2: show. Why
0: did they cancel it? Yeah, it's not. It's not Christian, though. (laughs) Quote, I suggest that phrase is not scriptural. Actually, that phrase is taken from the Quran, the sacred Uh-oh. book of Islam, and is probably not appropriate for Christians.
2: Oh, oh, whatever. You know, well, your sacred Bible probably isn't appropriate for Muslims. So fuck off.
0: That's that's a good burn. A that's a good burn. Thanks. Prince much prefers the phrase cloud nine. Quote, there are plenty of clouds in heaven. And that expression <laughs> is more in line with scripture. Jesus is coming in the clouds. Ugh.
2: Well, you know, that's one way to mass produce much needed holy water.
0: Just have him up
2: there. It rained
1: down. I'm glad we have a logician to teach us about these things. I'm very happy about that. He is a little rusty. Yeah, I mean,
0: former, yeah. former logician. Okay. <laughs> okay, so there's at least three heavens. What are these three heavens? The first is what we see in the sky, including the moon, the sun, and the stars. Okay, so where do black holes fit into this angelic astronomy? Do we know? I'm going to guess they're part of the first heaven. Okay. So even though we literally can't see them, they're in that basic area. They're okay. in the space area. The third heaven is the heaven of heavens, which is where God hangs out. It's Like the VIP room. Yeah, exactly. You are getting this. <laughs> that leads to the second heaven sandwiched in between. It is here, Prince believes, where Satan's headquarters lies. Mm. Prince suggests that this explains why many prayers go unanswered. They never make it to God because they get stuck in the second heaven. It's like Satan is running a radar jammer up there. <laughs>
1: It's like, it's like prayer ping pong. It's like the radiation barrier that Apollo denialists talk about, about how we couldn't get to the moon because you couldn't get through the radiation mm-hmm. area. Exactly. This is the Satan area. Yeah, that's Satanic radiation. And the radiation. can't get through.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's all coming together. Yep. All right. So we got two kingdoms. God's kingdom is in the penthouse of the heavenly apartment building. And Satan, he's in a second floor suite. So not the best, but still pretty good. And sadly, just as prayers can get stuck on Satan's floor, angels can get stuck there as well when they try and come to answer prayers. Mm. In the book of Daniel, an angel hears Daniel's prayer, but only arrives at his side three weeks later. The angel explains what took him so long in Daniel 13, quote, The prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. The angel took 21 days because he had resistance and opposition in the heavenlies. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, or archangels, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. So to recap, this angel kind of sucked and was helped by a greater angel, the archangel Michael, who was in charge of Daniel's people, the people of Israel.
2: God, you know, how embarrassing that must have been. That flight back up to heaven's heaven must have been really awkward for those two. Like, yeah,
0: man, and you know he again. needed Michael to help him get up there.
1: <laughs> Michael is very reliable. He was the one that revealed to Joseph Smith all the uh, secrets. too. Yeah, so. yeah what like a good All-American angel.
0: Now, just as one angel is in charge of Israel, this quote also shows an evil angel was in charge of Persia. Ooh. Prince hypothesizes that there are probably subordinates to the satanic prince of Persia, in charge of smaller groups quote wait
1: prince, prince of persia and his name yeah, is prince yeah, uh, <laughs> download yeah, process
0: i know i'm glad you mentioned it so this is what prince says about this quote for instance there might be one king over each major city of the persian empire one over each major ethnic group perhaps one also over each of the various religious and pagan cults of the persian empire we get a picture of a highly organized structured kingdom with various areas and descending levels of authority with headquarters in the heavenlies, and which is a kingdom of rebellious, fallen spirit beings. But why Persia? Prince surmises that the celestial administration is dependent on how we organize things back in the first heaven. So since Persia was a major non-Christian empire, it deserved, in the eyes of Satan, its very own demonic prince.
1: Well, at least we know why John Bolton really wants to go after Iran now.
0: Yeah, that's the, <laughs> he's part of the spiritual war. That's what this is all about. Ah, John and Bolton, going, yeah. going right into that, this means that apparently demonic and holy rulers are associated with countries and empires. And so the whole idea of God being on one side of a conflict is literally true. And this is clearly great for living in a peaceful world.
2: <laughs> well, you know, that's why we need polytheism to get popular. Different gods picking different sides of conflicts and having varying favorite tribes and nations. It helps balance things out. I don't know if that would be
0: better, honestly. I think that might be worse. Okay, so we understand there's the two kingdoms. Satan is in the second floor. So one thing we want to understand is this is warfare, right? This is spiritual warfare. Well, what kind of weapons are we talking about? Sadly, though, this isn't all that exciting because we're talking about the boring kind of weapons. And I mean spiritual weapons as opposed to Physical or fleshly weapons. And this is something Prince says a lot, and physical I get. We're not talking about bombs, we're not talking about guns, but fleshly. You know, did someone think that spiritual warfare was going to be like Videodrome Part (laughs) 2?
1: Videodrome Part 2. He puts a Blu-ray into himself instead of a VHS. (laughs) I'm glad that James James Woods is fighting the good fight in spiritual warfare. I'm glad about that.
0: Because he's not fighting the good fight on Twitter. (laughs) Now we know what our spiritual weapons are. Well, we know they're spiritual weapons, and we're going to get into what those weapons are later. But what's the target? Who are we using these weapons on? Yeah. Prince directs us to Second Corinthians ten four for the answer. Quote: For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I wish we'd please stop saying flesh. Oh, nope.
1: don't. Okay. <laughs> keep saying it. Flesh.
0: Flesh. Flesh. All right. Yeah. So. We need spiritual weapons to fight against fortresses. But what kind of fortresses are we talking about here? Physical fortresses? Mm-hmm. Spiritual mm-hmm. fortresses? No. What? These are fortresses <laughs> of the mind. Oh, ooh. It's like Sherlock Holmes' mind palace. In a way, it is. Okay. And Prince explains further, quote, Satan is waging an all-out war to captivate the minds of the human race. He is building strongholds and fortresses in their minds. Whoa. And it is our responsibility to as God's representatives to use our spiritual weapons to break down these strongholds, to liberate the minds of men and women, and then to bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What What a staggering assignment that is.
2: Yeah, you need to be liberated so that you can become a captive. Got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're in the wrong fortress. That's (laughs) the problem.
1: (laughs) You're in the wrong mind prison.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So now, these strongholds, these sublets in the rooms of the mind, come in the form of prejudice, And preconception. And now, in the normally clearly written book, even if it's radically false, he doesn't distinguish these two. He doesn't say what's the difference between prejudice and preconception. So I don't know why he uses both words, (laughs) but we're going to move on. One example he gives to illustrate his point is British soldiers during the American Revolutionary War who would march into battle while American snipers just picked them off from safety. Sadly, the Redcoats couldn't conceive of any other way of fighting. Quote, it was a stronghold of prejudice and preconception that caused the unnecessary death of thousands of English soldiers. This is just one example of how a mental prejudice can drive people to their own destruction. But it's not just the British that are beholden to demonic strongholds. There are also, quote, religious cults, political ideologies, and racial prejudices. These are found frequently among professing Christians, and I couldn't agree more.
2: Uh, you yeah, was just about <laughs> to say the same thing. Plus, we've learned by now, thanks to LaRouche, that the British are evil, so no need to rehash this.
0: Yeah, we already know Automatic. that they're they're in their own mind prison, and they're never going to get out.
1: They come from Babylon. That was the original uh, city yeah. taken over by Satan, and that
0: was actually it's funny you mentioned that because that is one of the ancient non Christian empires mm-hmm. that Prince mentions as having its own demonic prince. Well, there you go. Scary. Now you might be thinking, well, we're you know why can't we use mental weapons? Against a mental fortress, you know, things like evidence and argument. Well, (laughs) that's just not going to work. Quote, a stronghold is something that blinds men's minds so that the light of the gospel cannot shine in. When a person is in that condition, it is worse than useless to argue with him or her. The more you argue, the more they restate their error and the more firmly they are stuck in that error. The only way to deliver such people is to use our spiritual weapons and break down the strongholds in their minds. Mm -hmm. All right. So we know the fight. We know the battlefield. What does victory look like? How do we win the spiritual war? Well, it turns out, strangely enough, that we kind of already have won the spiritual war. What a waste Uh, of time. (laughs) Well, and Prince, Prince thinks this fact is so important, he actually repeats it twice in bold. Quote, Christ has already defeated Satan and all his evil powers and authorities totally and forever. Okay, Okay. so why are we reading this book then? Exactly, well, that's all what I was about to say. Yeah. All is still not well because Satan's main mode of attack is, marked, is making us forget that he has been defeated. Oh. He, do- <laughs> he does this by accusing us and making us feel guilty. What we have to do is remind ourselves and others that we shouldn't feel guilty because Christ has already absolved us Of our sins.
1: Prince is not a Catholic, then.
0: No, 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 no no way. Now, if you're a little confused, I think I have a helpful metaphor. Think about sovereign citizens. So, sovereign citizens are already not guilty of any crimes, because as we all know, they are not actually under the jurisdiction of the United States. And yet, of course, police officers and judges and juries still accuse them of crimes, often hilariously so on YouTube. (laughs) And so it's the sovereign citizen's job to remind everyone loudly that they are, in fact, innocent.
1: Sovereign citizens for Christ.
0: Okay, so now let's get more specific into our gear. We're fighting a spiritual D&D type war. We need the right gear. And we mentioned the weapons, but we also need armor. Yes. And if you thought that armor was just going to be left vague, you are very wrong because it's like you're a game master and you're looking up armor in a guide and there's like the stats for everything because that's, what's coming at you.
1: Cool. What about scabies and train rats and melee attacks?
0: Well, we're going to get there. Oh, okay. First we have to cover the armor. And the way he phrases it is that there are actually two types of weapons, weapons of defense and, and weapons of attack. And I assume that the former are like, it's like the preemptive strike in the spiritual arsenal. <laughs> the no, the neocon. Technically, <laughs> neocon. Yes. Actually. It's the neocon awesome. attitude towards spiritual warfare. These weapons of defense are what Paul calls the full armor of God in Ephesians 6.11. And this is a phrase you'll hear all the time when you look at other people who talk about spiritual warfare, is this full armor of God. And we need this armor to protect us from the, quote, evil day. And this isn't just the end of times or other prophesied disasters, although Prince is very clear that these still might happen. Instead, Paul is just talking about the normal temptations and hardships and doubts that Christians face regularly. The full armor of God is meant to protect us from all of this. And this is where it goes full D&D, because the full armor of God has six named components. The girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Not sure that last one is really armor, but then again, we're already calling these weapons of defense, so I'm just going to let it slide. (laughs)
2: Also, you know what? Screw Colin Kaepernick. Nike is really missing an opportunity here to, to mass produce the shoes of the preparation of the gospel heirs. I'll meet you up in the
0: clouds during the rapture wearing these bad boys. Sick. I'm sure everyone would love that. So let's get into all of these. First, we have the girdle of truth. So Roman soldiers wore tunics that flapped around their nether regions. ...and would inhibit their movement. Therefore, they wore girdles to keep all that cloth in line and all bundled up. Mm. (laughs) And just like them, the soldier for Christ must also wear a spiritual girdle. But what are the spiritual bits of hanging cloth inhibiting our movement? It's, quote, sham, hypocrisy, religious cliches, and saying and doing things we do not mean. Once equipped with the girdle of truth, we can dispense with this baloney and be, quote, active, energetic effective christians.
2: Also guys be wary of the often worn girdle of lies. This is when men pretend to have larger penises than they actually do. I think that's a different Yes, um, the
0: codpiece of lies. <laughs>
1: not only that, the girdle of lies is filled with flies. So that's just <laughs> ugh, really
0: gross. They and what do you think yet. those what do you think those flies are feeding on? Just think exactly. about that for half a second. Put Next blood-sucking we sucking
1: flies right down there.
0: Yeah, hopefully they're not bot flies if you catch my drift. Ooh. Next, we have the breastplate of righteousness. Now, lots of folks, they wanted to poke Romans right in the heart, you know, and that's why they wore breastplates. Demons want to poke Christians in their spiritual hearts, oh. and so that's why Christians need breastplates of righteousness.
2: Mm. Makes sense.
0: And this is not righteousness of works or religious law, but faith. After all, if we rely on the righteousness of following the law or even our own personal righteousness, Satan can find plenty of kinks in that armor. Paul also describes it as a breastplate of love, quote, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. When you have on that breastplate of faith that works by love, it always protects you. It will keep your heart from every attack and attempt of Satan to penetrate that vital area of your life. Is
2: all this armor available on Amazon Prime? I, I really just don't feel like driving to the closest Christian bookstore to buy this. No, which man, by the way, got I remember as a kid. You could you could go get that. Like there's plastic armor, like you would buy a Halloween suit, but it was the full army of God that you could
0: buy. I am not surprised. <laughs> yes. Next are the shoes of the preparation of the gospel heirs, as Brent mentioned. Brought to you by Nike. Brought to you by Nike. So a Roman soldier needed shoes that would make him mobile and available. Just think of your friend who is slow to put his shoes on and holds up your entire dinner party. you get really mad oh, at Oh, God. Him. So you got to already have those on. But what does the Christian need to have available? Obviously, a, quote, intelligent understanding of the gospel. This not only requires study, memorization, and the ability to communicate the gospel, but also the ability to express a peace of mind. Prince has a lovely little story To illustrate this here, quote, Let me give you a little example of how this might work. Suppose you are a lady doing your grocery shopping in a supermarket. As you wait in the checkout line, there is a lady who is obviously on the verge of a nervous breakdown. She is nervous and jittery, and God directs you to help her. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, come to church on Sunday morning? That will not meet her need. If that was all you could say, you would not have had your shoes on.
2: No breastplate, no shoes, no service.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Continuing the quote, Having your shoes on means you are ready to do something right then and there when God directs you. First of all, you must have peace. You must let her feel that you have something that she does not have and desperately needs. People can feel peace in other people. Oh, when wait, she is re- this
1: a con artist training manual? No. <laughs> oh, okay. it, like, no. I like your shoes.
0: Continuing. When she reaches out for that peace, you must be able to tell her in simple, non-religious language just how she could find peace. You must be able to communicate the gospel to her. That is the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace.
2: Mm. I mean, do you, do you put these shoes on your hands and make them talk like they're little hand puppets or something? I don't understand how this works. Yes. So to do with the shoes. Okay, yes. that's how you do it. Not look yes. You would not look crazy at all. People would no. accept
0: that. Next is the shield of faith. Now, while the breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts, we need one of those big ass Roman shields to protect everything else and everyone else around us. Do you have all, to
1: defeat Ganondorf in order to get the Shield of Faith? I forgot.
0: No, 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 no. You need the you need the Shield of Faith to protect against Ganondorf's blasts. Oh, okay. And then you also need the silver arrows to actually defeat him, which actually is not part of this list, which is why it's it's so lacking.
1: It's been a while since I played Ocarina of Time, so I just wanted to I
0: have no idea what's to happening. help me with that. You're just not a big enough nerd, Brent. Exactly. So. The reason we need the shield is that when we start messing around with Satan, quote, he may counterattack our minds, our hearts, our bodies or our finances. So we need to have a shield that covers us. And I thought this was all like a mind thing. So I'm not sure how he's reaching our bodies or finances, but, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just gonna that's, that's that.
1: why that's why bitcoin keeps <laughs> dropping in price and he's attacking my finances
0: <laughs> the demons are possessing all the other bitcoin bag holders and telling them to buy and sell at different times it's it's a real the
1: demons problem. are the demons are behind the pump and dump groups <laughs> oh man
0: that actually explains a lot
1: yeah fucking demons
0: sadly Prince has a really terrifying story to explain why we need a shield of faith large enough to cover not just ourselves, but people we know. And, you know, when you read some of this stuff, you wonder, is it metaphorical? Is it literal? And you get, there's kind of a gray area, but this is where it all really comes home for me. Quote, I was ministering once to a woman who had a demon of suicide. At a certain point, she received a very definite, dramatic deliverance, and she knew she was free. We both praised God. The next day, she came back to see me and related this remarkable incident. She said that just about the time she received her deliverance, her husband was driving along the highway in his open pickup truck and their German shepherd dog was standing, as the dog always loved to do, in the back of the truck. For no reason, while the truck was traveling at high speed, the shepherd dog suddenly jumped out and was instantly killed. What the fuck? The moment she told me that, I understood that the demon of suicide, which had left the woman, had gone into the dog. <laughs> Satan attacked the nearest thing he could reach. I learned a lesson I trust I will never need to learn again.
1: It's like the ending of The Exorcist, except it's your family pet, <laughs> yes. was rather than that. Father <laughs> Karis. Yeah,
0: yes, yeah. that was a documentary.
1: No! <laughs> in this case, though, in this case, it went and no, then no, like jumped out <laughs> of the fucking car.
0: Yeah. And so. Or the truck. So this is why your damn shield, it better be big enough for everybody and every pet that you know. You know, and
2: also, didn't we learn, it was in uh, our Nundere Cult News episode, that demons can go into pigs. Jesus put them yes, in. Yes. Why not dogs? The, yes. Yeah.
0: The demons went into the swine. Absolutely. The scapegoat. Scapegoat. Why did, uh, why did Rover have to be the
1: scapegoat, though? What's I know. that about?
0: What did he do? Demons are dicks, man. They'll do whatever they yeah, have they to. Were.
1: Fucked up. It's true.
0: Now, after telling that story, which is really fucking intense, Prince then ends on a very anticlimactic story about how he started a radio station one time and everything was going wrong. There was like technical glitches, you know, people were getting sick and Prince realized, hey, I need to stretch out my shield of faith. You know, just like that time that the woman had a demon kill her dog. Go, go it's basically the get a same lot of dogs. scenario. Get a lot of <laughs> dogs when that happens. Uh. Well, no, the more dogs you have, the bigger your shield's going to be. That's going to be way harder. Next, we have the Helmet of Salvation. Just like a regular helmet protects your skull, your spiritual helmet protects your mind. You know, I also
2: think the Helmet of Salvation may be useful to stop drilling a hole in your head to become permanently high, as we talked about in the Psychedelic Hulk series.
0: Yes, definitely. You should want to not
2: do that. Because only, only,
0: only a demon would have you do that. <laughs> sure. Now, this makes sense, given that the mind is the battlefield of the spiritual war, after all. So you've got to protect your battlefield. What kind of spiritual head wounds can the Christian suffer? Well, of course what series would be complete without some kind of mental illness denialism in the form of blaming depression on demonic activity? Oh,
2: of course. You know, there's the suicide demon and the depression demon. There's also the heart attack demon, the cancer demon. Yeah, there's all sorts of demons.
0: So Prince himself dealt with depression and tried everything except going to see a psychiatrist. (laughs) He prayed, he fasted, he read the Bible. But then he read Isaiah 61.3 which includes the phrase, the spirit of heaviness.
2: Oh man, that's a good metal band album title if I've ever heard one.
0: Oh. The do, spirit of
2: doom.
1: heavy, man. That's like a
0: drone. Do, <laughs> yeah, do. drone metal. Prince explains what happened next. Quote, When I read that phrase, the spirit of heaviness, something leaped within me. I said, that's my problem. That's what I needed to be delivered from. I read other passages of scripture on deliverance. I prayed a simple prayer of faith and God supernaturally delivered me from that spirit of heaviness. Now that he cured himself of depression, <laughs> Prince recognized that he needed to prevent himself from further attack. He realized that the helmet of salvation is hope, which he defines as, quote, hope is a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promises of God's word. In a sense, it is continuing optimism. That is the protection of the mind. Hope is an optimistic attitude that always chooses to see the best and will not give way to depression depression doubt and self-pity so if you know anybody who suffers from depression just tell them to be more optimistic and you can cure them too and lastly we get to the sword of the spirit and as we have already mentioned this is a neocon podcast we reserve the sword of the spirit only for preemptive strikes against demonic forces as a means (laughs) of self-defense we want to be very very clear about that prince thinks we need the sword for a different reason even with the rest of the armor on Satan will still be able to stand around and be annoying, even if he can't actually harm us. The sword is, as you might have guessed, the word of God, because like the word of God, it pierces
2: and penetrates. I mean, maybe if it's like a hard bound Bible, those leather, leather bound Bibles are horrible weapons. They're not going to do shit.
0: Yeah, you got to really shave that down. <laughs> it would be really cool to see someone make a sword out of Bibles. That would be that would <laughs> And for our truly hardcore listeners, you may remember our very first episode when we talked about the sword of the word of God (laughs) coming out of Jesus's mouth. Very strange. So Jesus, he used the sword of the spirit before judgment day. That wasn't the only time it happens. So how did he use it? The prime example is when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert. The weapon of Satan was doubt. But Jesus each time used the same weapon saying over and over, it is written. He didn't bother with theology or religious affiliation, but only the scripture itself. Mm. But remember, you have to speak it. Quote, it is significant that the sword of the spirit is not the Bible on the bookshelf or on the nightstand. That does not scare the devil. But when you take the scripture in your mouth and quote it directly, then it becomes the sword of the spirit. So if you're mute, you're shit out of spirit.
1: (laughs) Can you do sign language?
0: That I was wondering that, too. I don't think you can do it sign language. I think this is a purely spoken weapon.
2: Yep. And probably in English.
0: It pro- yeah, let's be <laughs> honest. Yeah, it's probably English. Now, you might be... Okay, you might be... So that is the full set hmm. of the armor of the spirit. So you might be... Okay, we got breastplate. You know, we've got our loins are girded. We've got the helmet on. But what about our back? Ooh. There's no protection for my back. What gives? Well... Prince says that is on purpose. Uh-huh. Mm. First, it lets it tells spiritual warriors to never turn their back on the devil. You're just giving him an opportunity to stab you with a spiritual knife. Or,
2: you know, shoot you with a spiritual gun. Demons likely use modern weapons now. Mm,
0: yep. Yeah, they probably do. Second, you can't protect your own back, so you have to rely on your fellow spiritual soldiers to do that for you. Makes sense. Okay. Now this is it's all well and good to be protected against the devil. that is not enough god wants us to bring the fight to the enemy and prince expresses this with a nice pithy phrase quote jesus pictures his church in the light of two primary activities building and battling these must always go together it is no good doing battle if we do not build on the other hand we cannot build if we do not battle so we must think always in terms of building the church and battling the forces
2: of Satan. I really want to see like a televised spiritual battle between the Christian church and the church of Satan. Put it on (laughs) pay-per-view.
0: Yes. (laughs) Prince thinks Christians have been too defensive, waiting for Satan to strike and then defend rather than the other way around. God,
2: bunch of left-wing anti-war
0: Christian hippies. Nothing worse. I know, they're the the worst. We can't have that in the spiritual war. And Prince puts it this way, quote, my experience is that most Christians have the attitude I wonder where the devil is going to strike next. I suggest to you that the boot should be on the other foot. The devil should be wondering where the church is going to strike next.
1: Yeah, Yeah, proactive spiritual warfare. Put a boot in the
0: devil's
2: ass, it's the Christian way.
0: Yeah. Yeah! So we got our armor, it's time to go on the attack, but what are our weapons? There are four main weapons in the spiritual arsenal. Prayer, praise, preaching, and... Testimony. You no, know, that would have
2: packed more of a punch if the fourth war would have, you know, started with a P. But meh.
0: yeah, I fully agree. I, just rename it testimony, and <laughs> I, I think that's fine. Perfect. That's when you launch pesto at your enemy. <laughs> so let's start with prayer. Prayer is the greatest of all spiritual weapons. Paul even mentions it directly after listing the full armor of God in Ephesians six eighteen quote and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. Yes,
2: but all you can do is wing it and hope those prayers don't get intercepted in the middle heaven. So it's Well, it's we're going
0: to get into that because you affect how easily your prayers get into heaven. Nice. And though Prince routinely reminds us that our weapons are not physical, he cannot help himself from using intense military metaphors. Quote, think of prayer as an intercontinental ballistic missile.
1: Holy shit.
0: <laughs> this is a missile that is launched from one continent, directed by an advanced guidance system to a target in a completely different continent to destroy an assigned target. There is no limitation of time or distance in prayer. Prayer is like that intercontinental ballistic missile. With it, we can assail Satan's strongholds anywhere, even in the heavenlies.
1: I sure hope that smart cookies are using prayer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they better be.
1: Smart cookies are <laughs> great guys. Smart
0: cookies. So you might think cool. I could just pray at night like normal and launch my missiles to Satan. Well, you would be wrong. Jesus requires that we pray day and night to be effective warriors. Mm. And this is what I was saying, Brent, Okay. about if you just launch one prayer, it's probably going to get stuck in the Uh, second heaven. Okay. But if you pray all day and all night and you get more people, yes, exactly. You got to get more people praying, more people doing the same prayer. It has a much better chance of penetrating the iron wall. Of the second heaven. Okay, thank you. And here is a good illustration of this. When Peter was arrested by King Herod, although he was in jail surrounded by guards, the church prayed for him day and night. This resulted in an angel freeing Peter from jail and then that same angel striking King Herod dead.
2: Um, this mm. must have been that top-notch, like a top-notch Michael archangel type person, not not that slow-ass angel that got delayed for 21 days
1: or whatever.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Peter is the first pope, so I he's higher on the... He's higher on the priorities list, I feel, than Daniel was, unfortunately.
1: Isn't the most top-notch Michael-type angel John Travolta? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess. That's a terrible film. Anyway, moving along.
0: (laughs) So the second weapon is praise. And Prince doesn't spend too much time on praise. He just says that when we praise God's awesome work and his totally rad vengeance, we get a piece of that strength to carry out the rest of our spiritual warfare. And now the third weapon is preaching. If you've been following along closely, you'll know what you should be preaching. But in case you don't, Prince has a reminder just in case. Quote, it is solely and exclusively the preaching of God's word. It in no way applies to the preaching of other things, such as human philosophy, political ideologies, or even elaborate theology.
2: Yeah, I prefer non-human philosophy.
0: Yeah, that's a better kind. You can't do that either. I think that's a loophole that he doesn't want you to walk through. <laughs> You also have to be careful not to preach a version of the word of God that, quote, self-serving rebels want to hear, but the real deal. If you do so, then the word of God, quote, is a hammer that will break in pieces every rock that opposes the purposes of God. It is like a sharp sword that pierces to the innermost recesses of the human personality and lays bare the secrets of men's hearts and minds. Preaching has a number of effects. One is quote, "extraordinary miracles." Prince himself makes the inference that we aren't talking about ordinary miracles, but extraordinary miracles. Yeah, what? There is a hierarchy of heaven and a hierarchy of miracles.
2: <laughs> yeah, what is? What, isn't that a uh, famous Sagan quote? Extraordinary miracles require extraordinary preaching. I think that I could yeah, exactly.
0: Misquoting. I mean, he was exactly right. Sadly, though. The miracles he brings up here are literally like handkerchiefs being used to cure people, which sounds like a pretty ordinary miracle <laughs> to me.
2: None dare call it handkerchiefs normal. I think I got a great merch idea.
0: <laughs> but they don't, they won't heal you. That's true. They won't even perform ordinary miracles. <laughs> Preaching also has the power to reveal the secret agents of Satan who hate hearing the word of God spoken out in the open.
2: And again, if you're mute, this doesn't pertain to you. So sorry.
0: Yeah, exactly. Third, preaching can eliminate the occult influences in an area. So, you know, even Christians sometimes when they're not informed will dabble in the occult. Mm. So if there's people around you who are dabbling in Ouija boards or even yoga, a good deal of preaching will be required to break that spell.
2: And it's even worse if it's some sort of like weird combination, you know, like a yoga mat that is also a Ouija board. That would be Oh, horrible.
0: man, you know someone selling those <laughs> and going straight to hell. I'm you moving just without know knowing why I'm moving. And the last weapon of the spiritual war is testimony. And Prince wants to clear up the fact that testimony is not identical to preaching. Quote, Preaching is witnessing the truths of God's word directly, but testimony is witnessing or being a witness. Testimony is speaking from personal experience about incidents that relate to the word of God and confirm the truth of God's word. So also, this doesn't mean That you merely witness the power of Christ. This is something that Prince says trips up a bunch of Christians. They think, oh, I just have to witness, Mm. I just have to see the power of Christ. But no, you have to be a witness. Mm. That means you can't just see it happen. You have to go on the witness stand and give testimony in spiritual court that you have seen these things happen. Active, not passive. Exactly. (laughs) Got it. And Prince concludes the book with this: quote, to be effective in spiritual warfare. We must continually take the offensive with the weapons God has provided for us. It is not sufficient to merely defend ourselves and wait for the Lord to deliver us. We are an army of conquerors, and the nations of the world are ripe for a people who will conquer them with the gospel of the kingdom. Peace be upon you. Beautiful. And with that, we conclude our first episode on spiritual warfare. And we are done! Thank you for listening to Nundere Call It Ordinary. You can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at none dare Call It Ordinary, and send us an email at dare call it Ordinary at gmail.com. For only $1 a month, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary For information on all our episodes, as well as links to our YouTube channel and Discord server, head over to our website at nun dare call it As always, we ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, or wherever your podcasts are served.